What is up? What is cracking? Welcome to the program, live from the Anchor.fm studio. That's right, on a Saturday. TGIS, the grind includes Saturday. I know you're probably thinking to yourself, what is there to talk about? What is there to say? What more could you possibly have to talk about? We already know that Jeremy's the champion. We already know that Joey lost back-to-back championships. We already know that you were 1-5, and 3-8, and eight, and then finished in the top three. But what you don't know is what I think each and every single CFL member would be like as an NFL head coach. And you're probably thinking, why would I want to know that? Why do I give a rip? Well, you should give a rip because we just came off of Black Monday when David Cully was said to have been fired. Thanks, Vince. David Culley died for the sins of the Texans organization. A dumpster fire organization. And it's gotten people in the CFL up in arms. People are saying, why? Why, David Culley? Why did they do this to this man? And I'll tell you why. Because it's the Texans. Because the Texans are racist. Allegedly, I should say, for legal purposes. But I want to read something from Ian Rappaport. Quote, among the reasons Texans coach David Culley was fired, he would not make changes to his offensive staff, sources said. Houston had the number 32 ranked offense. Culley wanted to stay the course. And now offensive coordinator Tim Kelly was fired and other changes coming as well. End quote. John P. Lopez at Lopez on Sports responded, quote, No, Cully was hired so he could be fired. He was an empty suit the day they hired him. They probably wanted to get two years out of him before turning to their real preferred hire. But when Flores got fired, they moved now. Not complicated. I could kind of see where Lopez is coming from, except for the part at the end there about Brian Flores. I mean, this is the NFL. Should we really feel bad for David Culley? Should we really be surprised about David Culley being fired? This is the NFL where Doug Peterson was fired, two years removed from winning a Super Bowl, with Nick Foles as his quarterback against Bill Belichick and Tom freaking Brady. This is the NFL where Brian Flores, who had 19 wins in the last two seasons with the Miami Dolphins, 2-0 against Bill Belichick this season, got fired. So spare me all this surprise about David Culley. Nothing should surprise you in the NFL. But that's not to say that David Culley deserved to be fired. That's not to say that David Culley didn't have Davis Mills playing at a high level. 
I mean, we thought the Texans were going to be what the Jaguars were, what the Lions were. And not that four wins is a good season, but I think we can all say that that team competed. And uh, David Culley, we will remember you. Thank you, David Cully. The CFL thanks David Cully for his efforts. And so do the 32 million others that are listening to this program. Just kidding. 32 million people actually viewed this video. That's where I got that number from. But we do have people outside of the CFL who are listening. And your rep is about to be determined by some of those people because I am here on a Saturday, TGIS, the grind includes Saturday because we never lay it up. And now I didn't come here on a Saturday to talk about David Cully. I came here on a Saturday to tell you and rant about why or what I think each and every single one of you losers, just kidding. I don't think you're losers. You guys are clones. You guys are friends. But what I think you guys would be as NFL head coaches. So I'm going to start at the bottom and work my way to the top. And when I say that, I mean that I'm going to start at the bottom of the rankings, season-ending rankings in the CFL. So I will start with Chris Yob. If Chris Yob was an NFL head coach, it would be terrible. When it comes to making videos or blackmailing people, Yob's at the top of the list. But when it comes to coaching and leading 53 men in a locker room, I just don't see it happening. Yob is more VP of talent relations or VP of videography or in charge of the social media. And I don't like Yob, I love Yob, but that's just a fact. And all we do here is spit facts. So I'm not putting my money heavy on Yab as NFL head coach. Could I see him as the president of the high school? Yeah, I could see that. Matter of fact, I did see that. So, but as head coach of the NFL or in the NFL, just not seeing that happening. So my guess would be, it would be, quote, clown show organization. <clears throat> but damn, that team social media would be off the hook. They'd have the best social media in the NFL. Excuse me for the cough. We still have yet to develop a cough button at the Anchor.fm studio. My producer, Tony, should be on that, but instead, he's being lazy. That's beside the point. Then there's Craig. Craig, as a head coach, would be the note taker, always taking notes on the sideline. He has a fresh, sharpened pencil, preferably a number two Ticonderoga and his yellow legal pad that he's constantly taking notes throughout the game and sharing them with his assistants. Hey coach, what do you think about this? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And how about this? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Craig is like a soccer coach. Arms folded, Ticonderoga in the right hand, yellow legal, pad, yellow legal pad in the left hand, ready to take notes at all times. And then share those notes and then retire at a young age, and then buy the team and be the owner of that team. And then somehow work his way into being player, owner, slash coach. 
kind of like the Jackie Moon of the NFL. Now I've given Craig way too much credit. Let's move on. Joel. Joel would be the delegator. He would delegate all his responsibilities to, quote, his guys. Because we all know Joel will have his guys that he can rely on, guys he can depend on, guys he can call when things are going bad, call them up and be like, hey, coach, I need you to fix this for me. I need you to fix this for me because the media is about to ask me 30 questions about this and I have no idea what to say. Joel will be the coach slash GM. No way he's not doing both. There's no way Joel's taking that job without having full autonomy of both being the GM and the head coach. He wants to be in charge of everything. And he'll be the most active on draft night, calling every single GM, trying to make a move. No one is safe on Joel's roster. Everyone can be moved at any time for any given player. And when the media asks, hey coach, why are you always giving up on your players so fast? You just drafted this dude. Joel would say, yeah, we well, got hurt. And that's in the best in the team. We, we can't depend on guys who are going to be hurt on a week-to-week basis. We have to move on. Joel's team will be a complete revolving door. There'll be no culture because no guy will have been there for more than three seasons. It'll always be in, quote, the best interest of the team. But somehow, Joel will keep his job because he's always in the playoffs. Even though he can't win the big one, he always gets to the playoffs because he's the total delegator. Best coaches, best draft picks, most cap space, all just to disappoint the fan base when it matters the most. And then he goes in hiding until training camp and repeats the process. Then there's Nick. Nick would be the head coach whose patience would run so thin with his players and coaches that his lineup would be different every single week. There would be a revolving door at quarterback. Perfection is a must on Nick's team. No time for bullshit. And when the media asks a stupid question like, hey coach, why is your team struggling? Struggling. He would say, don't look at me. Look at this asshole who can't get out of the stands properly, who can't tackle right, who can't break down who's not fast enough. Our coaches need to learn to coach, and you know what? Our players need to learn to play. And you know what? He'd probably be right. He'd probably be right because a lot of people are dumbasses and don't know what they're talking about, don't know what they're doing, that think they know what they're doing, that think they're smart, but they're not. And they need to be stirred in the right direction. And I could see Malardi at the press conference belittling and destroying the virgin sports reporters who never played it down in their life. Uh, hey, coach. You think in hindsight, you maybe uh, wanted to call time out there? What do you think? What do you think I should have done, smart guy? And then there's Alec. If Alec, Alec was a head coach, he would be the coach who somehow always pulls a win out of his ass. And Alec leads the league in challenges no matter what. Every game, Alec is challenging. He has to question every referee's decision. Hmm, I don't know, ref. I think his foot was in. I think I'm going to challenge that ref. And the fans go, oh my God, here we go again. Another stoppage for Coach Alec who needs to challenge everything. When it's clear as day, his foot was not in bounds. Don't tell Alec that. Don't tell Coach that. He'll argue with that ref until the day he dies. Alec is one of those coaches who made his bones in the AFC North, most notably the Cleveland Browns. Alec has no time for the media. He thinks they're, quote, a joke. He doesn't have time to answer stupid questions. And when he wins a Super Bowl, he's like, yeah, what do you want from me? What'd you expect? And all the, co- all the other coaches say, hey, Alec, we're here at the coach's clinic and you're not wearing your Super Bowl ring. What gives? 
And Alec would say, is that a thing? Do I have to wear my Super Bowl ring everywhere I go? Every time I come to a coach's clinic or beef and beer, I have to wear my Super Bowl ring? Who determined that? Do you determine that? No, I determine that. And these aren't my words. These are what Alec's words are, I think. And then there's Jimmy, all about the analytics, total analytical guy. What's the play sheet say? Should we go for two? Should we not go for two? I think we should go for two. I think we should go for two. I think we will go for two. That's Jimmy's MO. Fourth and one, going for it. Fourth and three, going for it. Fourth and five, going for it. Jimmy is the coach who is always going for it. And he always has his players back no matter what happens, even if it's obvious to everyone else that that player sucks is or is ass. And the media says, yo, coach, guy's not getting it done. Guy is missing his receivers, throwing it into the dirt, throwing it over their heads. And Jimmy will say, that's my guy. And you know this player. This player was good one year, three years ago. And Coach Jimmy is the coach who sticks by that guy because of that one good year. Even though deep down he knows he's a bitch. He's a pussy. Not Jimmy, but the quarterback. In this instance, let's just say that that bitch and that pussy is, I don't know, Carson Wentz. So basically what I'm saying is Jimmy will fall on the sword for his players only for it to backfire on him in the long run. And then there's Ray. Ray would also be very analytical. Brandon Staley-esque analytical. Ray would make sure he's using every one of his timeouts. He will never leave a half or a game without making sure he's utilized every single one of his timeouts. Ray is using every resource he can. But Ray is also the coach who has no time for his players' bullshit. Hey, coach, I got a question. No. Hey, coach, can we talk about something? No. Can't you see I'm busy? Can't you see I'm making this thing work? Can't you see I have my head in the play sheets, in the film room, all the numbers? I don't have time to help with what's bothering you. Figure it out. Because I'm trying to figure this out. So you can win. So we can win. So I can win. Ray is also the coach who is up about till 4 a.m., doesn't respond to his wife's calls or texts, has a couch in his office, has two espresso machines. Has to have two just in case one breaks. Has to have two just in case one breaks because chances are it's going to break. Because Ray's going to be so flustered. He's going to be all over the place. And he's going to somehow, some way, jam that espresso cup too hard into the machine. It's going to break. It's going to jam. And he's going to be all shit, shit, fuck, shit, shit, shit. What do I do? Fuck, fuck. But no problem. Because here's that other Nespresso I hid under the cabinet. And no, I know what you're thinking. Nespresso, not a sponsor yet. But if they'd like to be, just let me know. I might take a quick break here. I want to get my voice back. You know, this is this is a big day. It's Saturday, okay? TGIS. The grind includes Saturday. Never laying it up. Now we have Scott, ex-co-host Scott. So funny. Side sidebar here. Scott texting me saying he wants to be back on the podcast. Just when it's getting good, just when it's getting great, just when we're getting new listeners. That's right. We have new listeners. People that aren't in the CFL listening to the CFL podcast. We're getting reach out there. And now, he wants to come crawling back in. Not going to happen. Not going to happen that easily, Scott. Not going to happen that easily. 
Just like if Scott was the coach, the start to his career wouldn't have gone so easy. Scott is the coach who started off cutting grass and lining up the field until he worked his way up the ladder before he was hired at Penn State, saw Joe Paterno raping children, didn't say anything. Check that. Saw Sandusky raping children, didn't say anything. Scott is the coach who never takes ownership and finds some underlying factor to excuse a loss. It was the weather, injuries, referees, you name it, Scott has an excuse for it. And somehow the excuse works and he finds himself back as the coach again. He can convince the fan base, there's no way I should be fired. And somehow that mass hypnosis works. Scott is like the Dr. Fauci of the, of the NFL. You can quote me on that. And then there's Connor. If Connor was a coach, he would show absolutely no emotion. Whether it's on the sideline or with the media, whether his team is doing well, whether his team is doing poorly, he has the same look on his face no matter what. And he has the most Super Bowls in NFL history. And people live and breathe wanting more out of Coach Connor, out of bear. But he doesn't give it. But what he does do is produce. And what he does do is win. And you can go to bed at night feeling pretty safe, feeling pretty secure that Connor is your coach. You know you're going to win. You know you're going to win in the playoffs. You know you're going to do work. And you know your team's going to be consistent year in and year out. Even though your coach may utter six words throughout the entire season. Three of them being, I don't know. And, Now, allow myself to introduce myself. I get hired. I come in way in over my head. I have no clue what is going on. Until one day, all of a sudden, I have an epiphany. And I find what works for me. I find my niche. I find what works for me, what works for my players, what works for my coaches. And I galvanize my players. I give the best motivational speeches. And I put my players in the best position for success. Because I'm better than you and you know it. And yeah, we have a Super Bowl. Because not only do we win a lot of games, we win important games. And just when you think you can count my team out, just when you think we're about to resort back to our pagan alien form and go so deep, so dark, so many miles down, my team rises from the ashes and gets the job done. And you have no choice but to respect me and respect that. Basically, I'm Mike Tomlin. And I make my team watch The Dark Knight Rises after every single win. only every single team was like mine, you would be better off. And I know this team especially would be better off. This poor guy. This poor sap. And I know he's going to put off the illusion that he's not sad, he's not upset, but I know he is. And it's alright, dude. Let it out. Let your emotions out. That's not what this is about. This is about what Joey would be like if he was a head football coach. Joey's all about the information. He's got info on every single player. What's their 40 time? What's their vertical time? What's their bench press? What's their mother's maiden name? He's the coach that never loses in preseason. He's the coach who has all the information and uses that info to win games. Only for him to crumble when it matters. Only for him to bench his kicker for an other kicker and that kicker doesn't do what the other kicker would have done. And the media questions him, and Joey always says, stand by my decision. 
That's his media answer to everything. I stand by my decision. Hey, coach, I stand by my decision. Yeah, but coach, I stand by my decision. Coach Andalore, I stand by my decision. While the fans sit at home and wonder what could have been. What could have been, coach? Until he shows back up at training camp with his sick aviators, his $1,000 chain from Amazon, his jumpsuit, and the players just can't help but love that guy. Total players, coach. And I know Joey's upset with me for trashing him on last week's pod. Get over it. Loser. Now I'm done. But last, and certainly not least, our champion, Jay Gott, Brett Favre's dick pick. It's incredible what this guy did this year. Absolutely incredible. Jeremy, as a coach, would do everything by the book. His team would be the least penalized. And you know Jeremy is buddies with every referee. Cleet Blakeman, Jeremy's boy. And you know he's after hours at the strip clubs with Gene Saratore doing their thing. He makes his players wear a suit and tie on game days. No one is allowed to have facial hair. Jeremy's team is so polished. No one is getting arrested. No DUIs. No killing women and their dog in the car. No social media outbursts. Jeremy is also the coach who punts every fourth down no matter what. Ultra conservative. Not going for it. Not going for two. We do it the right way. Jeremy's running power eye and split back formation. And when they win, they act like they've been there before. They don't need to gloat or brag or show their brass. They show up, do their job, go home, kiss their wives and children goodnight, wake up, and do it all over again. And that is what every CFL owner would be like as an NFL head coach. And if you think I'm full of shit, if you think I'm full of crap, hit me up, let me know. Let me know what you think. Be sure to let me know. If you think I'm full of shit, if you think I'm an idiot, if you think I'm stupid, if you think I don't know what I'm talking about, let me know. Let me know how you really feel. At least you let me know. Appreciate the feedback. I want to thank you for joining me on a Saturday. Enjoy the playoffs this weekend. Got some good games. I want to thank those of you not in the CFL listening. I'll try to figure out a topic for maybe next week. Or maybe the week after that. Or the week after that. Who knows? Who knows when it'll be. But until then, my name is Adam. And I'm out. I'm better than you. And you know it.